Welcome to Life Design 101, a podcast for designing an intentional, aligned, and fulfilling lifestyle. This is for the dreamers, doers, creatives, and strategists who are interested in conversations that explore the diverse and unique ways that we can align with our souls and move closer to our goals every day. I'm your host, Elena Hartung, life coach, creative, and fellow human obsessed with all things life design. Join me as I speak with experts and uncover their insights on topics from productivity to wellness to personal growth and beyond. So grab your favorite cup of tea and get ready to soak up some wisdom from leaders who each hold a piece of the fast life design puzzle. Let's get started. If things like low energy levels, headaches, migraines, mood swings, or sugar cravings are stopping you from being your most productive and focused self throughout the day, then today's episode is for you. I am joined by Marjan, a certified holistic nutritionist living and working in Montreal, Canada. She works one-on-one virtually with clients from all over the world, helping them learn how to eat for better energy levels, mood, and hormonal balance. Marjan is also the creator of the Blood Sugar Guide, which is a resource with recipes and practical tips to get you started on your health journey. In this episode, Marjan breaks down the systems that connect our nutrition, blood sugar, and energy levels, gives us a balanced breakfast recipe for smoothing out that blood sugar roller coaster, also goes into the link between blood sugar and mental health, which was news to me. And most of all, we're learning how we can use this information to empower ourselves to design our lives. Because I don't know about you, but I find it really difficult to go after the things that I want to build my life intentionally, consciously, when you are just feeling blah, when you are feeling low on energy, low on focus, and just overall not your best self. So listen in. You might want to grab, you know, a paper, a notebook, a pen, because there's so much good information in here and I cannot wait for you to hear it. So let's get into it. Hi, Marjan. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm also really excited. Um, this is probably not going to be the first interview that that goes out on the podcast, but it's the first one that I'm recording. So I'm super pumped and especially pumped that it's uh, that it's you because you have so much good information to share that is just not uh, not common knowledge, but can benefit so many people. So you're a holistic nutritionist. Um, and I really think of you as like the blood sugar queen on Instagram and before, before I met you though, and before I started, you know, seeing your content and kind of getting educated that way, I don't think blood sugar had ever crossed my mind at all. Probably ever. I thought, you know, blood sugar is just for people with diabetes to worry about, or people maybe with other kinds of health concerns, but through your, through your content, I realized that's not really the case. And maybe this is something I should probably pay a little more attention to. So why blood sugar and why is it especially important, not just for those with certain health concerns, but also, um, for, you know, the average, the average person. Yeah. And I think that you are the average person when you say, I only thought about it from the perspective of diabetes, or sometimes I hear, well, I'm not within the weight category or I'm not quote unquote overweight. And that's maybe not something that I would ever consider. I would never consider blood sugar or diabetes, but blood sugar balance is so much more than diabetes. And when I was growing up, I actually refer to this a lot in my blood sugar management guide that I wrote. 
And I experienced all of the classic signs and symptoms of what I now know are related to blood sugar, which are things like low energy levels, crashes in energy levels, sugar cravings all of the time, headaches and migraines super frequently, uh, mood imbalances, mood swings, symptoms of anxiety. All of these things were very present for me, especially the low energy aspect of it or the crashes and energy that would come often and just never really pieced it together. I would go for blood work all the time and get checked out by my doctor all the time and nothing was ever really pinpointed to one particular thing. And definitely blood sugar was never considered ever until years later, I studied holistic nutrition and I started to make the link myself. I started to make that connection of, wait a second, all of these symptoms are things we just don't talk about, but they are the classic signs and symptoms related to blood sugar imbalance. And when I say blood sugar imbalance, I mean in reference to any human being who has eaten food in the last few hours, that is like blood sugar is happening inside of their body. So I'm not referring to blood sugar imbalance in terms of a diagnosis of diabetes per se. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, that's a big misconception too, is that like, this is so a, a lot of those, you know, symptoms or signs that you mentioned, they're so common. Like they're not things that are super crazy that someone might think, oh, I might have like, uh, you know, some kind of huge issue, but we just deal with them because we expect them, right? Like having mood swings or energy kind of fluctuating up and down. And we just think, oh, that's just, you know, what it's like to be an adult. But that's not really, that's not really true. And there's a difference between what's, what's common because so many people might experience it versus what's actually kind of normal and what we can do to like mitigate it in our bodies. Yes, that is a huge passion of mine is to just really hammer it into people's heads, hammer it into my own head that what is common is not necessarily what's ideal or what's optimal. There's a lot of things that are common based on blood work and based on just common symptoms that we see in people of similar age category or similar demographic, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the systems in your body are functioning optimally. So what I help clients with is helping them to first and foremost, start paying attention to these symptoms that we deem to be so common, these low energy or crashes in energy symptoms, these intense sugar cravings, these headaches and migraines that come on so frequently, start paying attention to those and then learning how to feed our systems in a way where our bodies don't experience those things. Because something that I probably should have mentioned from the beginning is that in the world of holistic nutrition, we are looking at these signs and symptoms as communications from our body. So as much as they can be so frustrating when we experience these symptoms, they really are our bodies telling us that, hey, we're not getting the right resources. We're not getting the right nutrients to actually balance things out and actually have things working optimally. 
Yeah. And that's just a completely different way to look at like what your, what your body is doing and saying, okay, it's, it's communicating with me. Like it's telling me something and it's so important that we don't just like ignore it or shove it under the rug or, you know, take some Tylenol and be like, okay, that's fine. Like (laughs) my headache's gone now. Um, especially when, you know, like you said, they're kind of continuously coming back. So one of the one of the big things you mentioned as part of your story as well was the, the low energy. And I think that's just so huge for for so many of us because when you have low energy, like everything else just becomes so much harder, right? Like productivity is harder, focusing on what you're doing is harder. And especially if you are, you know, living a really aspirational, vibrant, passionate life, and you have so many ambitions and things you want to do, it could be really, um, really annoying to feel like your body is kind of like holding you back from that with this, with these energy highs and lows. And, um, and so what are kind of some of those, you know, first of all, I guess, how does that relationship really work? Because I know you mentioned it was, it had to do with digestion, when we last ate, maybe what we ate, all that good stuff. Um, And then once we kind of understand that relationship, what can we do to hopefully start noticing this a little bit more and making a few tweaks and improvements? Yes, this is where I shine. This is the thing that I really am passionate about talking about because I am, like you said, uh, aspirational, I guess, person. I'm a very creative person. And so I remember going through periods where I just felt so frustrated because I had so many things that I aspired to do, but I just didn't have the energy or the drive or the motivation to do those things. I actually had a client say to me before they started working with me saying, I can't describe it, but I feel blah all the time. Mm -hmm. And how many of us have been there, right? I'll just raise my hand. For (laughs) those of you who are listening, I am raising my hand right now because I've been there. There's just no other way to describe it besides I just feel blah. I don't know. I don't know how to get started. I don't have the energy or the drive to get started on something. And that in a way, in a roundabout way does relate to what we're eating and what we're feeding our bodies with and this education of how blood sugar works. So at the basis of everything, food is meant to give us energy. I think we either forget that sometimes or we just were never taught that in a proper way. I feel like when I think back to my own schooling, it was always, well, just eat healthy and then you'll be healthy. But that doesn't really make (laughs) any sense because what is healthy? What am I supposed to eat? I mean, there's healthy choices at McDonald's as well too, right? Like what is healthy? And so... We never really talked about this concept that food at its basis is meant to give us energy. And so if we are continuously feeling low energy, then that's a symptom telling us that we're probably not eating the right nutrients that are giving us the right type of energy that we're looking for. So I think that's a really important connection for people to start making. And it's really simple, right? You have low energy levels. Your body is probably telling you that you're not getting the right nutrients to give it energy, right? So when it comes to blood sugar balance, I'll try to kind of explain this for 
listening ears instead of um, drawing it, I'll describe what I would be drawing in a session with a client. I yeah, will do our best to visualize it. Yeah, just um, just imagine, close your eyes if you want to, and just <laughs> take this information in. When we eat food, basically what happens is most of the food that we eat breaks down into sugar or glucose. And that is the normal process of how things are supposed to go. When we eat food, even fruits and vegetables, to a certain degree, they do break down into sugar. And so the reason why they break down into sugar is because that's the fueling source that the body uses for energy. So when I have a client come to me saying that I have low energy or I have crashes in energy all the time, the first thing that we look at is their blood sugar levels because this is the mechanism in the body. This breakdown of sugar is actually where energy is coming from. So when we eat our breakfast, this is the part where you guys are supposed to be visualizing what I'm saying. So you're eating your breakfast. It breaks down into glucose, mostly. Not every single food breaks down into glucose, but most of our foods break down into sugar. And it's giving us energy. So picture a graph where the line is going up a little bit because it's giving us some energy. And then it gives us our peak level of energy. And then that line comes rolling back down and we feel hungry. And then it's lunchtime. So we eat another meal and that meal also breaks down into sugar mostly. And then it gives us a little bit of energy and it rolls back down. That's kind of how blood sugar is supposed to work on a normal scale. Unfortunately, because of the types of foods that we have come to become so used to eating, especially in our lovely North American diets, is we eat a lot of sugar-based foods, a lot of foods that break down into glucose. I'll give you a little side hint here. I'm going to go through some foods that do not break down into glucose in a second, but mostly we eat high sugar foods, especially Canadians. We're going through that Tim Hortons drive through maybe in the morning, grabbing a <laughs> double double. I used to, I used to grab those double devils often <laughs> and a bagel. That's kind of a typical Canadian working individuals breakfast, right? Go through the drive through grab something quick that you can kind of have on the way. Unfortunately, a bagel is predominantly carbohydrate based. So it's predominantly sugar. And so that's going to break down really quickly. And then the sugar in the coffee is going to break down even quicker than that. And so if you go back to picturing that graph where it was supposed to be a nice, slow climb and then a nice little roll and then you get hungry naturally throw that image out the window because that's not what's happening with the types of meals that we're eating these days so what's actually happening inside of our bodies is a huge rush of sugar so a huge spike so picture a roller coaster for any canadians listening if you're a canada's wonderland fan picture that what is it leviathan is that the highest one i think so yeah. i'm not a roller coaster person so just uh, forget i said that so for, picture just a roller coaster it's going up really really far up right to get to that peak and guess what happens with something that goes to its peak 
it has to come down, right? And so it not only comes rolling down like it's supposed to, it'll come crashing down like a roller coaster, right? Because it's at its mm-hmm. peak. And when something comes crashing down, imagine the last time you experienced a sugar crash. I'll just ask you actually, have you, do you remember the last time you experienced a sugar crash? What were some things that you were feeling? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it does. You're very right. It does feel like a crash rather than like a slow kind of like decline. It's just almost, almost suddenly you're like, I kind of want to nap. I kind of want to just like lie down. Like I don't really want to do anything anymore. Um, and, and maybe even like a little bit of a headache coming on. Um, for some reason I'm thinking like, maybe you're even starting to get like thirsty. I don't know if that's related or not. Maybe that's just me, but those are the things that come to mind for, for myself. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say the exact same things, especially the taking the nap Mm -hmm. part. How many times have you wanted to take a nap, but you're at work or you have things to do, you can't actually take a nap. So it just equals exhaustion Mm -hmm. for the rest of the afternoon, basically. And so those are very clear symptoms that anyone can really think back to what's happening when we're having a sugar crash, as well as something that you didn't mention is typically a craving for carbohydrates or sweets. Mm. I'm going to explain why that is. So when we're experiencing that crash, it'll come crashing down. And what a lot of people don't realize is that it actually creates a little bit of stress inside the body. Our bodies produce a stress hormone called cortisol. And cortisol is an amazing stress hormone because it helps to regulate the stress in our bodies. But the body sends basically a signal. When cortisol is released, the body sends a signal to the brain to actually crave more sugar. So when I'm working with clients and they tell me that they have intense sugar cravings all the time, they have exhaustion all the time, headaches and migraines all the time, the first thing I think about is that crash phase of the blood sugar that we just all pictured That crash phase includes all of those things. Now, why would the body want us to crave more sugar? I always say this, but why would the body screw us over that way? That's not fair. Why (laughs) why are we craving sugar when that's the thing that we are trying to avoid? Do you have a guess? Yeah. Of why that might No, I don't. But I was thinking the same thing. I was like, it sounds like it's a bit of like a snowball effect. Like it starts a little bit and then it sounds like your body almost um, kind of just keeps you going on that little bit of a... Uh, yeah, a little bit of a hamster wheel there. So yeah, why why is that the case? It's the case because our bodies are super smart and intelligent and our bodies ultimately want us to have more energy, right? And what's the thing that gives us the fastest energy is a carbohydrate source, something sweet, something not necessarily sweet, something carbohydrate dense, even potato chips are considered um, something that's carbohydrate dense. So the body craves a quick carbohydrate, a quick sugar. So in this case, in this example, maybe the person is going back through the Tim Hortons drive-thru or Starbucks and grabbing another coffee and something sweet because the body actually wants you to have more energy faster because you have crashed so far down that the fastest way to get energy into you 
is not to sit there and make yourself a nice salad with some chicken and some rice. The fastest way to get sugar into your body at that point, when you're at that lowest point, is to grab something sweet from Tim Hortons, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Starbucks. I'm a Starbucks girl myself now. So that's basically how it goes. And so what you just described as the hamster wheel is the perfect way of saying it. I always call it a domino effect, kind of, Mm. because what's happening then is that you're craving sugar. So you're probably going to go and get something really quick to get those energy levels back up. And then guess what happens? That breakdown of sugar happens again. The roller coaster goes up to the top of the peak and then it comes crashing back down. And it's happening multiple times a day for most people because we were just never educated in a way that allows us to eat in a way where that spike and that crash isn't happening all the time. What we ideally want is to eat food that gives us energy on like a nice little smaller scale (laughs) roller coaster (laughs) versus the spike and the crash. Does that make sense? Perfect. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we just want like a bit of a gentle, more of a gentle wave to ride rather than like this giant storm roller coaster situation. Have you ever experienced this before? Does this resonate with you? Oh, for sure. And actually what I was thinking about as you were describing this kind of like up and down and um, is, is how obvious it is when we look at the habits of like society, especially if you just think of like a typical nine to five worker, like you said, stops by like a drive through on the way to work to get that coffee and, you know, bagel or whatnot. Um probably just like, you know, powers through on that coffee in the morning, goes to lunch, probably also has something that's maybe not the best for blood sugar. And I think so many people can relate to that kind of like two o'clock, three o'clock afternoon crash that rolls around. And then you're like, oh, okay, I I want a snack. I want to like go get something, a little little treat for myself to get through to the end of the day. And it just makes so much sense in how we see even just like this very general behavior that as a society we te- tend to tend to take and it's so interesting how it comes back to how we we are not really taking care of ourselves in the best way when it comes to what we're eating yes. so sorry go ahead no i just wanted to say you nailed it yeah that's exactly yeah. that's exactly what comes to mind for me as well too for sure and so i guess you know the the natural next question is like okay how do we get off this roller coaster? Like, how do we, how do we get onto that more gentle wave that we can kind of ride through a little more easily? On a real roller coaster, I I think there is a point where you're you can't get off <laughs> because once you're <laughs> you're clipped in, you're clipped in. But luckily for us, in this roller coaster analogy, we are totally able to get off anytime we want to, and so. What I was describing was basically a more carbohydrate dense, or I guess it's also a typical North American style way of eating as well too, unfortunately. And so when we have foods that are breaking down into sugar really, really quickly is when this domino effect or this roller coaster is happening. And so what I said in the beginning is that most of the food that we're eating is breaking down into sugar and that's normal. That's how it's supposed to be. And that's how nature intended it because that's where we're getting our energy from. 
However, there are some food groups that do not break down into sugar. And those food groups are our proteins and our fat sources, or more so I would say oils and fats. And what I mean by proteins is pieces of chicken, for example, or fish or beef. These things break down into what's called amino acids. They do not break down into sugar. Now, some listeners might be thinking, well, what about chickpeas? What about plant-based proteins? Don't they ultimately also break down into sugar? Yes. So the protein aspect of those do not break down into sugar. The sugar component of those foods do break down into sugar. But for the purposes of this example, a protein, an animal-based protein does not break down into sugar. So proteins in general break down into amino acids. Fats, such as like a tablespoon of oil, if you were to drink a tablespoon of oil, it does not break down into sugar. So why is this important to know in this whole roller coaster analogy is that when we add in these other foods that are not breaking down into sugar, they're ultimately helping to displace a little bit of that roller coaster effect from the sugar and because they're not breaking down into sugar and they're ultimately allowing us to have more stable energy levels because if we're displacing the carbohydrates on our plate what we're doing is that we're not allowing for that spike to go up so high because there isn't as much sugar right the proteins don't break down into sugar the fats don't break down into sugar and just the carbohydrate portion of your plate is breaking down into sugar and hopefully that's just creating that nice curve that we talked about at the beginning so I'll give you a little example of what that might look like in terms of a breakfast, for example. Yeah, let's do it. Because I feel like that is going to be your next question. Did I guess it right? (laughs) I I was thinking it. So you did read my mind. I was like, I'm thinking like avocado, like, I don't know, eggs, maybe like, I don't know. Tell us what's what, what's, what does that plate look like? Girl, you just, you keep going. <laughs> you just do the podcast on your own. <laughs> you, you got it. So what's really important to note here is that when you're picturing this roller coaster, the reason why I like to use the roller coaster analogy is that with a roller coaster, it has a clear beginning part that is on the ground pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. And then it, it shoots up and then you're screwed because once it's up, then it has to come back down, right? What we want to do with this analogy and a hack that we want to try to use is just don't get off, get up off the ground so high. Mm -hmm. When you're in the beginning phase of that roller coaster, so your breakfast or your first meal of the day, don't make it something that's going to go way up high like Leviathan, uh, Canada's Wonderland. You want it to be like a good balance of our proteins, our fats, and our carbohydrates so that it's just creating that slow roll. So you actually nailed it. Um, A protein source that I really like to have in the mornings are eggs. Uh, Eggs are just a really great protein source, and they're just what people commonly think of as breakfast. There are tons of other protein sources as well, too. Um, there, You could also go with a um, plant-based protein source, beans, chickpeas, those types of things. If you're making a smoothie for breakfast, this is 
something that I am always screaming from the rooftops <laughs> is that a smoothie, if you are having a smoothie as a meal, it should have all of the components of a meal in it. So that does not mean that we should have just fruit and a cup of yogurt and water or milk or whatever normal people use for smoothies. Scrap that. Do not do not do that because ultimately you're just kind of having sugar water. You're having fruits mixed in with milk. And where's your protein? Where's your fat source? If you're using it as a meal, it should have the components of a meal so that it gives you that stable energy. So when it comes to smoothies, I always recommend clients use some sort of protein powder. Now, protein powder sometimes gets a bit of a bad rap because they're not necessarily a non-processed food. They are processed, obviously. But the reason why I recommend a protein powder, and you can find good quality, clean sources of protein powders, but the reason why I recommend a protein powder is because they usually have about 20 grams of protein per scoop. 20 grams of protein is a good amount of protein to start with in terms of blood sugar balance. And so it just makes it a lot easier to just take a scoop of a good quality protein powder, throw it in there. Protein powders also come in all shapes and forms and sizes. They come in plant-based, non-dairy, animal-based, beef-based, dairy-based, whatever you're looking for in terms of a protein powder. It does exist out there. And again, you want to choose a protein powder that is a little bit more of a clean quality. Adding that to your smoothies, as well as a little bit of avocados or some nut butter or even the nuts themselves as your healthy fats, make it a meal. If you're going to have a smoothie as your breakfast, make it a meal by adding your protein, adding your healthy fats, adding in fruits and vegetables for your fiber and your carbohydrate sources, and then whatever base you want to use, water, milk, whatever it might be. So that's the main advice that I always give to everyone is you want to start that roller coaster on a good note, on a good blood sugar balancing note. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's making me hungry just talking about all this. I'm like, I kind of, I mean, it's like two o'clock in the (laughs) afternoon, but I'm like, I kind of want breakfast now. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. So obviously blood sugar and energy are so closely linked. Um, but I know in your, you know, in your content, you also talk about the link between blood sugar and, um, you know, our, our mood, like mood swings and even in relation to our mental health, things like anxiety. So what is that, you know, obviously mental health has a lot of, a lot of different components to it, but it sounds like this can play a role in it. So what does that relationship look like? And, um, and, and what does that mean for, for mental health? Yeah, I think that's a really important link that we can all start making in terms of feeding ourselves in a way that allows us to have a little bit more mental clarity and support our mental health as well too. And I think that sometimes there's a bit of a disconnect because we often think, well, what the heck does food have anything to do with it? But hopefully listening up until this point, you will realize that food has a lot to do with a lot of different things. And it's not just food for the sake of food, right? We're not just eating for the Mm -hmm. sake of eating. We're actually eating 
in order to fuel the systems in our bodies. And mental health is a system in our body that we want to fuel. So to answer your question, there's actually two components that I really focus on when it comes to the mental health aspect of blood sugar balance. And one of them is what we already talked about. The roller coaster goes up, the roller coaster comes crashing back down, and you describe some of the symptoms that you might be experiencing, right? You might be experiencing exhaustion. I know that's a big one for me. You might be experiencing a bit of a headache or dizziness. That's also one that I've experienced too. Sugar cravings, we already talked about that. Now, also a big one is mood swings during that crashing phase. Imagine going through that crashing phase. Do you have a whole lot of patience to deal with the little things? I personally don't. I get so frustrated with the little things when my blood sugar is in that crashing phase, right? And unfortunately, or fortunately, as an entrepreneur or as just a human being, it requires a lot of little tasks sometimes in the day. And sometimes those little things are just so frustrating because you're experiencing that crash and you don't necessarily realize that you're experiencing it. So there's one aspect of it that can be considered in terms of supporting our mood and mental health is when we're eating in this way, we're actually eating to support that nice slow curve, which allows us to have a little bit more mental clarity and not as big of a mood swing. Mm-hmm. The second thing is, I mentioned this as well too in the beginning, is that when that crash phase is happening, it does create stress in the body. That's a physiological thing that happens inside the body. When that crash phase is happening, the body releases that stress hormone. Our cortisol levels go up. If you've ever been to the doctor and had your cortisol levels checked, that means that you are, I mean, if it comes back as high, It's an indicator that you have a lot of stress in your body or a lot of stress in your life. And the common thing that I always hear is, well, yeah, hello, I'm stressed. There's a lot of things going on. Like there's financial stress. There's relationship stress. My family is stressing me out. Traffic is stressing me out. All of these things are stressors. And so what I do with clients is that I have them picture their bodies as kind of like a barrel. I have a little uh, mason jar here. So picture your body (laughs) like this. And there's various stressors, right? Throughout the day, I mentioned a few of them. There is a thousand others that happen. As human beings, these stressors come at us. And so if you picture this mason jar that I'm holding in my hand right now, it is going one layer, one layer on top of another until it gets to the top and then it overflows. The overflow is these symptoms that we experience, the chronic uh, migraines all the time, the feeling exhausted all of the time, all of these things, right? And so when we think back to blood sugar and how the imbalance of blood sugar is actually creating a little bit of stress, hey, here's an idea. Why don't we learn how to control that stress? We can't do anything about some of the other stresses. Some of the other stresses are just things that are happening in life. For example, work stresses or, I don't know, you're having a disagreement with your boss. 
that's a separate issue altogether. But let's look at this barrel. What are some things we can remove from it? Namely, blood sugar balance. If we learn how to balance those blood sugar levels so that that cortisol isn't releasing when it crashes down, then, hey, it's like taking a little scooper, scooping out some of the liquid from that barrel, that water from the barrel. We're dumping a little bit of it out so that it doesn't overflow. The barrel is always going to be, there's always going to be things in the barrel because we're human beings. But if we just scoop out a little bit from the top, balance those blood sugar levels, learn how to support this system in our body, then it makes a big difference, right? Can you kind of picture that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. It really sounds like, you know, when we're not paying attention to it or or when we might be making decisions that are not helpful, it kind of, it sounds like it kind of amplifies the other stressors that might be there. And we aren't as, you know, aren't feeling as capable to deal with them as opposed to when we support ourselves through, you know, nutrition and some of those things that you had mentioned earlier, then, you know, it doesn't take away the other stressors, but it makes us so much more capable in handling them and figuring out, like you said, the mental clarity to know, okay, how can we, how can we work with this and make good decisions? Um, So, so it's really helpful to kind of know what can we do, like you said, to just make it easier on ourselves, like to just scoop out some of that extra stress that we do have control over through what we eat. Yes, that's exactly it. And again, if you think back to those times where you've had that blood sugar crash, because we've all had it, right? We all can think of a time clearly when we had it. Think about how low your patience levels are during those times. I can think of myself and how extremely moody you feel during those times because it's just a lot going on in your head and if you picture it, those cortisol levels are kind of on the rise and there's just a lot going on and you feel very overwhelmed, right? And so again, what we're doing here with balancing our blood sugar levels and connecting it to how it relates to our mood and mental health is we're actually balancing out that blood sugar so that it's providing stable energy levels, it's providing mental clarity, mental focus, so that you have a little bit more of a capability to deal with all of the other stressors that we can't control. So you got it exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Um, yeah. So to, to sum it all up, you know, clearly super important to kind of be thinking about what we're eating and would you say it's, it, it's correct to kind of assume that breakfast is kind of important in this aspect and in that it really kind of starts our day off on the right foot and can support throughout the day as well, as opposed to like some of the other meals or snacks that we might have. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. We want to continue with this blood sugar balancing plate. What I mentioned before, our proteins, our fats and fibers and carbohydrates throughout the day. But again, if you take away anything from this episode is we want to start that roller coaster on a good note. We don't want to start the roller coaster on a note where it shoots up super high. So yeah, you got it right. Breakfast or your first meal of the day is probably the most important thing here. Another thing I'll add to is that 
with all of this knowledge, I find for me, the best part is that it's actually allowed me to feel way more empowered about my own health and my own body, because I do have control over certain things. We've already talked about all of the stressors that we just don't have control over because that's called life, unfortunately. But it does allow me to think about my own body and my own health in a way where wow, I actually have a lot of tools and I have a lot of say about what my day is going to look like in terms of how I'm going to fuel my body to be my best. And so it's allowed me to feel a lot more empowered about my health, but it's also made it so that I'm not always beating myself up about things, Mm -hmm. right? So when we think about where sugar cravings come from, we already talked about that today. We look at where low energy levels come from or mood swings come from. In a previous time in my life, I used to feel so frustrated and down in the dumps about, oh, why is my body like this? I have so many great ideas. I want to just get out there and do it, but I don't have the energy levels to do it. Oh, why is my body always craving sugar? Now flip to a few years later where I know, I know that okay, I'm having this symptom right now. Maybe I didn't have the greatest breakfast. And sometimes it happens, right? Even for me as a nutritionist, sometimes I don't have the greatest breakfast or I don't have the greatest meals, but I can think back and say, okay, I get it. I didn't feed myself with the right things. The next meal, I'm going to try to kind of stabilize that a little bit better. So it just kind of takes away that beating up mentality of, oh, I did something wrong. Oh, my body is broken or whatever it is. No, let's look back at our last meal. Did we actually fuel our bodies? No, we didn't. Okay, no big deal. What's in the past is in the past. Next meal, I'm going to try to fuel my body with proteins, fats, all the good stuff that are going to keep me going. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's so true. And I think we use this word of like motivation to explain or to kind of use as this, you know, umbrella term for a lot of the things we talked about, like energy, productivity, focus, like, you know, are you able to, um, to get yourself to, to do something that maybe you don't want to do, you know, in the middle of the afternoon, probably, you know, if you hadn't been nourishing yourself then, then it's going to be a lot harder. And you're so right that we tend to beat ourselves up about all of these things saying, oh, I'm not motivated. I, you know, I can't convince myself to do this. I don't have the discipline. I'm lazy. I'm lazy. Oh my gosh. All of those things. And, um, yeah. And when we understand these things, we can realize like, oh, there's actually other things at play here that are thankfully within my control that I could use to actually, you know, help support my motivation, help support my, um, my focus, my energy levels, what I'm doing can help support, um, resisting maybe sugar kind of down the line or whatnot. And so it's, um, it's really nice to kind of just think about it that way and say, okay, you know what? I'm not just like this terrible, lazy, unmotivated person. I just, you know, need to have some eggs and avocado and a good, smoothie for breakfast and then see how that helps <laughs> yes. and see if that can like, that can change. And it does. It does. Like I'm so surprised sometimes by how I'll eat certain things and then I feel like a new person afterwards. Yeah. It's amazing. Yes. I feel yeah. the same way. I can never go back now. I can't not think about my body and my health in this way now. Yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, so let's say someone's listening to this and they are like, Marjan, you just described me when you were going through those through those signs and symptoms. Um, if someone has an inkling that maybe this is something they need to look into a little more for themselves, something they want to learn more about, how can they learn more about this? Where can they find you and all of the great content that you put out? Let us know. So I am predominantly on Instagram. Lately, I've been on TikTok as well, too. I have ventured into that world. So you can find me at Healthy by Marjan on both accounts. And I also have a blood sugar guide ebook as well as a physical book as well, too, that you can purchase through the link in my bio on Instagram. And that really just sums up everything that we talked about. So if you're interested in learning more about how blood sugar actually works inside of your body, if you are having a tough time visualizing what I was describing, the diagrams are all right there in the book for you. And there's also recipes and shopping lists in there as well, too, to really kind of zone in on what your body needs right now to be able to balance these blood sugar levels which ultimately balances our energy levels as well too, right? And so that book is just really a really self-guided way for anyone who wants to learn more about blood sugar. And from there, if anyone wants to work with me one-on-one, I also do take clients from anywhere in the world. I work online, so I love that aspect of my job because I get to connect with anyone wherever they're at. Um, If they want to show up on a call wearing pajamas, I'm cool with that as well too. And so um, the link to that is in my bio on Instagram as well too. And you can check out my website, healthybymarjohn.com. Amazing. Yeah. So many different ways for people to kind of dip their toes into this, get started, um, whether they want that kind of personalized support or they just want to self-guide through your ebook. There's definitely a lot of options for them. I'll, I'll make sure to link it in the show notes so people can click through easily to find those. Thank you so much for being on the show. I feel like I've learned so much just, <laughs> just through kind of understanding a little bit more of the details of this and, um, And it's definitely shifted my perspective in like, what am I going to do tomorrow morning when I wake up? How am I going to plan my meals? And, um, and how am I going to use that to support, you know, the life that I want to build and live ultimately? Because when it comes down to it, that's what it's all about. It's about supporting all of the amazing things that we want to do in life. You said it. That's what I always say to you. You want to have the energy to be able to do the things you want to do. So Mm -hmm. you just said it perfectly. I love that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share all of your wisdom with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Thank you for tuning into Life Design 101. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so grateful if you left a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps us spread the message to more ears and create an even bigger ripple effect for a better world. Thanks again and see you next time.